Hello, this is FTW with Imad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm Imad Khan of Tom's Guide, and joining me today is Michael Andronico, senior tech writer at CNN Underscored. Due to the ongoing effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, E3 this year will be a virtual event. It means that hands-on demos will have to be done virtually, and any interviews will have to be done via Zoom. E3 2021 is nothing new in a post-COVID world. Just about every other event has been pushed online. And before we get into what we can expect from every publisher, let's go through what made E3 a special showcase and why the show remains an important part of the industry. So first, Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be able to catch up with you again. Uh, great to be able to talk E3. There's always an exciting time of year, even though this year is obviously very different. Uh, still pumped to see what all the big companies have for us and speculate a little bit. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, and I know while we are a esports focused show, E3 is just one of those events that really does pull in the entire industry, including all the esports publishers together in one one room, or I guess one virtual Zoom conference call, you could say. So, I, you know, I think there's some relevance in talking it out, but um, I'm, I'm really interested in some of like the uh, inside baseball kind of stuff, right? Because I think that's an area that most people don't uh, have understanding or access to, you know, what it means to the press and, you know, why we make this exodus out to Los Angeles every year. So, Mike, what does E3 mean to you as a reporter? Wow. Yeah, it's a great question. So I've been going to E3 since 2014. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it means a lot of things to me. Obviously, the big thing that you get by being at E3, as opposed to just watching everything from home, is getting hands-on time with a lot of the big games, getting FaceTime with a lot of the big developers. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, just obviously the networking aspect, getting to hang out and make friends and, you know, just just kind of get to be face to face with a lot of colleagues and and friends from kind of around the globe that you don't normally get to see. So, uh it's that's that's really what E3 has been for me. Uh and obviously, you know, we're losing the kind of face to face aspect this year. We'll still have some of the cool things uh that that are typically enjoyable about E3, but yeah. That's that's what it's really been for me is really getting getting to actually spend time with developers, get my hands on new games and get to see you know, people from all over the media world and all over the world of games that I, I don't typically normally get to. Yeah, you know, I, I, a lot of my kind of reporting acumen comes from going to an E3, right? I mean, there's just so much that happens in back rooms in uh, at these uh, parties post show that, you know, where you kind of develop your sources, right? I mean, I probably my first E3 in which I, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, I kind of got in through by working at a very small blog at the time. You know, I flew myself out there, put myself in a really crappy hostel. But what that allowed me to was to get access to, you know, other people, other members of the press, which gave me more freelance writing opportunities. And then, you know, use my time there to develop sources to make the inroads with these publishers so that I can continue, you know, covering their games to a greater extent and, you know, continue reporting on like this medium um, just as other reporters have on more, de- you know, on uh, more developed mediums like film or music or whatnot. And, you know, I think it's, um, it's also like one of the rare instances where you do get both the East and the West all in one city all at one time. So you really can do those crazy interviews. I remember one year I interviewed um, Masahiro Sakurai for ESPN to cover all things Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, and or uh, sorry, that was for the Washington Post. And then later that day, I reviewed, I, I interviewed Reggie for ESPN, right? So uh, Reggie Fizeme, who was the uh, then president of Nintendo of America, and you know it's very rare for like all those people to kind of just be all in the same room at the same time. Um, and then later that night, you know, I was hanging out with like the former 
uh, president of Sony of America, you know, uh, what's Jack Trenton at, yeah. at some party. So it's just something you can't get over Zoom calls. And it's just really important. Um, it it kind of makes, it's kind of like maybe the more fun part of our job. Um, and I think it's kind of really necessary to help develop your sources. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, it's just been, you know, as I mentioned, my first E3 was 2014. I was, you know, basically in journalism terms, I was basically a child then. And um, it was really one of my first trade shows, period. So it's a great way to just get that experience of being out there with so many different people and, and you know, learning how to just kind of interface with developers and, and getting that experience of what a what a behind closed door session is and getting to do interviews. So it's a yeah, it's it's a very important show in, in that regard, or at least it has been for me in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, I so now let's kind of jump on to what we can expect from, you know, the, the show going forward. And I think at least for this year, and let's start off with Sony. So I know, uh, Mike, when you know, we, we've worked together, you're a big fighting games guy, you've, um, you're part of the fighting games community. And Recently, or I guess in the past year, uh, Sony bought Evolution and has recently announced a new tournament series for Evo. Um, you know, it featured a bunch of games. Unfortunately, it didn't feature Super Smash Brothers. I'm sure there was probably some, <laughs> you know, contractual <laughs> uh, things going on there. Probably Nintendo doesn't want to feature its games at a at a Sony run event now. But at E3 2021, um, do you see Sony trying to leverage that new? acquisition of Evo and trying to do more to um, set itself apart from Microsoft and showing that, you know, PlayStation is the place to play fighting games. Yeah. So it's interesting because Sony actually isn't going to have an official presence at E3, uh, which has been the case ever since E3 2019. Mm -hmm. They've just decided to do their own thing. You know, they'll obviously have events on the outskirts of E3. As far as Evo goes, I'm not sure because they did they they recently made a pretty big announcement about their plans for Evo Online this year and I believe the Evo Community Series starts on June 10th which is this week you know it's during E3 week so I think they are kind of maybe going to be leveraging some of the overall excitement around gaming this week and you know kick off their virtual Evo at a time when you know all these other streams are happening so in a sense I I, I guess it's safe to say they're doing that to an extent where they, yeah, they are starting kind of the, the Evo qualifiers this week. Maybe not necessarily take Thunder away from anyone else, but just to remind everyone like, hey, yeah, we we are running Evo. It's an online event. Um, it looks like they're kind of using it for at least for these qualifiers. They're doing it exclusively via the PS4 tournaments infrastructure right in, that's built right into the PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why the games I think right now are limited to a handful of PlayStation games. I believe it's uh, Mortal Kombat 11. Soul Calibur 6 and a few others. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Tekken 7, uh, Guilty Gear, and uh, I think it's Scramble Versus. So, you know, pretty much games that are on PS4, games that work nicely within this infrastructure. So I'm not sure if there's going to be a big bombshell announcement from Sony regarding Evo during this time frame, because I think they kind of got everything out there. We do know that the actual Evo 2021 online tournament's happening August 6th or 8th, and there's going to be another round the weekend after. So Evo seems pretty sad. I, now, I do think sooner than later, we are going to get an announcement around Evo 2022, which I I am assuming is going to be a return to in-person, probably a return to Las Vegas. But I wouldn't expect that until late this year at the earliest. So yeah, I think as far as Sony and Evo at E3, the, there are going to be the streams this week that you could tune into kind of coming from the community, from the different games they have. But I wouldn't necessarily expect a, a bombshell announcement from them. You know, it's interesting. While Sony has, you know, kind of shunned 
E3 for the last few years, there were always like a few booths there that had, you know, some games available, some demos available. I always found that a little odd. And, you know, while Sony's presence wasn't, you know, they didn't have a press conference or whatnot, you'd still see some members from Sony's team walking around the show, the show floor. Um, it, it definitely is kind of like an odd quirk of E3 in that sense. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's been very interesting, especially with Sony. I think they're, especially during the PS4 generation, I think they they kind of realize that they don't necessarily need the show to to garner excitement around what they're doing. And they've had some great E3 press conferences, but uh, over the years, they've just opted to do their own streams. They obviously have the State of Play series. Uh, and last year, you know, I mean, last year there was there was no E3 at all. But they had their big PS5 blowout in early June, if I remember correctly. So they more or less had, you know, the equivalent of an E3 showcase. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting. They, they've kind of opted to to go off the beaten path a little bit the past few years. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what how Sony continues to double down with PS5 and uh, fighting games community. I know Mark Cerny during his like big technical presentation uh was it two years ago? Um, talked about how the fast memory bus and or like how kind of memory travels through the PS5 was specifically ideal for fighting games, given that it would try to decrease the latency as low as possible. Because there's like not only you know screen to eye latency essentially, but there's also like input to console to screen latency, um, which which I think that he you know just kind of being the very meticulous designer that he is would would be trying to address. Um, but you know, while we're on this subject of you know, I guess console manufacturers, let's jump on over to Microsoft. And I get you know, Microsoft hasn't really delved really deep into the esports space, right? I mean, they have Gears Five, they have Halo, and unfortunately, while both of the games are I mean, fun to watch, have their fan bases, it really hasn't taken off in the same way that maybe Fortnite or PUBG has. Um, I don't know. Do you think Microsoft is going to make any specific competitive gaming announcements? Or is that just going to be kind of like an ancillary part? Like, hey, we're releasing a Gear 6. And yeah, there's this tournament thing going on if you really care about it. Yeah, no, I, I do think there will be a, a, a significant competitive component to their reveal. Interesting. Uh, and the, yeah, and, the, and, and maybe not so much talking about the specific details of of their whatever esports leagues they have planned but you know if you look at the poster for the big xbox and bethesda show happening on sunday mm -hmm. you the the one graphic you see is kind of to me is an indicator that it's going to be very focused on halo infinite multiplayer because you don't see mm -hmm. master chief you see a bunch of different spartan models and since we saw a campaign last year i have a strong feeling that this e3 will be the coming out party for halo infinite multiplayer so i think we're mm -hmm. going to see a lot of gameplay of what Halo Infinite is actually going to look like from a multiplayer standpoint. I think we're going to see the traditional Halo arena experience that we got in Halo 5 uh, and, you know, hopefully something new to shake things up. I, I I have a pretty good feeling that 343 will try their own hand at a Battle Royale. I feel like they need to do something along those lines to kind of get the younger generation uh, into Halo, get the Fortnite players, get the Apex players. So I do think Microsoft is going to devote a lot of time to Halo Infinite multiplayer. Whether they touch on specific esports plans, that's up in the air. Obviously, the HCS has been a thing, the, the Halo Championship series. Mm -hmm. there's, still a, there's still a fairly, it might not be the most sizable FPS community out there, but there is a passionate, competitive Halo fan base. And even uh, there's been a lot of great grassroots tournaments, people playing Master Chief Collection, and particularly Halo 3. So I do think the interest in competitive Halo is there. I could see some kind of allusion to like, hey, and the, you know, the Halo Championship series for Infinite is kicking off, you know, this November or whatever it is. But 
regardless of what their plans for for esports are, I do think you're going to see a lot of Halo Infinite multiplayer. Do you think Microsoft will go so far as to make uh, Halo Infinite multiplayer free and a bid to lure in those players? I mean, for a lot of people, they do view you know the upcoming upcoming Halo as free since it's going to be part of your um, Xbox Game Pass subscription. Well, they actually they already confirmed that they're going that extra step. So I believe it was hmm. last year where they they announced that Halo Infinite multiplayer is going to be free to play, kind of separately from the the base campaign. Uh, so when you combine that with the fact that Microsoft recently got rid of the requirement to have Xbox Live Gold to play multiplayer, uh, to play free to play multiplayer games. Uh, yeah, Halo Infinite is going to be Halo Infinite multiplayer is going to be free to play for everybody on PC, on Xbox, even if you don't have gold. So I think they are really making it a push to get it in as many hands as possible the same way that Epic has done with Fortnite and EA has done with Apex. So, yeah, I, I really do think they want Halo Infinite multiplayer to be a really big deal and and that's why they're going to be releasing it for free and then as you said yeah it's then there are the millions of game pass subscribers who are going to get the whole package anyway so hopefully uh there will be a lot of people playing this game we'll see yeah you know i think one thing that fortnite did very effectively not only was it a huge breakout success in like what 2018 or something um the uh epic games was really able to leverage the stupid amounts of money it was bringing in every day and have a tournament series that was worth over $100 million. And maybe that was a little premature because I, I think that Fortnite has kind of waned a little. So some of that prize money has had to wane as well. So meaning that, you know, there's kind of like this recession essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you see Microsoft throwing like stupidly insane millions of dollars in, you know, esports tournament winnings at uh, Infinite Multiplayer? Uh, you know, it wouldn't completely shock me just because if there's any company that can afford to do that, it is Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it really depends, I guess, what their vision is for Halo and how much of an eSport they want to make it. But I think Microsoft is that company that can get away with it. They can get away with making all these different investments. You see them buying all these studios and, you know, do taking a very different approach to selling games and possibly even, I don't know the numbers offhand, but possibly even taking a loss on hardware. So I think they could probably afford to if they want to. It really depends on, you know, how they envision Infinite. Do they want it to be the next big esport? But I would say they they definitely have the capability to if if that's what they're interested in. And then let's jump on to Nintendo. So <laughs> 2020 for Nintendo esports was not great. I mean, not only are the main esports titles for uh, the Nintendo family, uh, Super Smash Brothers, which usually is you know must be played locally or Splatoon, uh, Nintendo kind of went to war with the Smash community, especially in regards to net play, um, mainly because uh, the pandemic made it so that everyone couldn't meet in person. And thanks to uh, Project Slippy, there was a way to have rollback net code for uh, you know emulated versions of melee on pc uh, with with the big house which is a big tournament last last year nintendo essentially gave them a cease and desist like either you don't play this game or you know we're we're kind of coming after you and it essentially just uh, any kind of goodwill that nintendo had built up with the smash community was all gone um and i think at that point like the uh the Smash community was saying, we're going to continue doing what, our, what we're doing. And if you want to sue us, you can sue us. Kind of, mm-hmm. kind of That was kind of the posture that the community was taking. Um, and then there was also revelations from the Splatoon community that Nintendo had done ver- very little to help the community. And that uh, more often than not had done uh, more to kind of harm the community, you know, essentially touting out promises and then those promises coming up empty and then leaving people feeling bitter and, you know, twiddling their thumbs. Mm-hmm. It, and Nintendo has released a, pl- a planner initiative for high school esports, which, you know, kind of is in line with their more family friendly message. Uh, I assume that 
there won't be millions of dollars online. It would probably be very scholarship-based awards. Um, do you see Nintendo? I mean, Nintendo probably has you know a, a lot uh, that it wants to announce in uh, 2021, considering that its software lineup has kind of slowed down. Uh, what do you see Nintendo doing in terms of esports at E3? Yeah, so it's a similar situation to Microsoft, where I think we're we're going to see a fair amount of multiplayer games at their showcase. At least, at least that's what I'm expecting. Mm-hmm. That you know could could serve as the foundation for for big tournaments if the community takes it there. I mean, I do think I do think we'll get an update on Smash. You know, we'll mm-hmm. find out whatever the next big DLC character is. Uh, D- DLC character is everyone online is going to argue about it. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, you know, I think we'll we'll. It's possible that we'll see more about Splatoon three because it was briefly teased earlier this year, and then uh, Nintendo kind of went quiet about it. Right. So you know, those are obviously two two games that have huge competitive communities. Uh, I I don't I don't really expect Nintendo to use their E three presentation to announce any type of esports initiative um whether right. it be whether it be for smash or splatoon or even some of their older titles like mario kart um yeah i'm not sure if they'll necessarily talk too much about what their plans are for tournaments and, and leagues and anything esports related but i do think you'll i do think you'll see a few titles that will get the competitive community talking whether it's new stuff for smash new stuff for splatoon splatoon 3 who knows? We might see a wild card. Maybe there'll be a new arms game. Probably not. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do think there will definitely see some multiplayer titles that are, are going to generate some excitement uh, in the competitive Nintendo scene. But I definitely don't see them announcing a major, you know, Smash tournament series or anything like that. As you said, you know, they maybe they'll touch on the new high, high school initiative they just launched. But I don't really have high hopes for them, you know, getting super deep uh into the competitive community, especially with all the trouble they've had this past year. And uh, quite, quite frankly, a lot of the goodwill they've lost with the smash community. So whether Mm -hmm. they, whether they want to regain some of that goodwill, goodwill and, and try some new things, you know, remains to be seen, but yeah, I don't see much chatter about esports at their show. Hmm. Well, I mean, if there's not gonna be much esports, are there any games from Nintendo that you're hoping to see? I mean, this is outside of, you know, the esports realm, just you personally. Yeah, definitely. There's a few. I mean, the big one for me is Bayonetta 3. Oh, that game was, yeah, that game was announced, I think, almost four years ago now. Um, you know, I think back at the Game Awards, and we haven't heard a single thing about it since. And Bayonetta 2 is one of my favorite games, period. It was one of the few games that made the Wii U worth it. Um, just, a super, <laughs> just a superb action game. You could play 1 and 2 and, on Switch right now. Um, really eagerly awaiting info on that one. And, uh, you know, not... I'm not the hugest Metroid fan, but I think it's time we get a, a bit of an update on Metroid Prime 4, because that's another one where it was announced forever ago. Kind of went quiet. They announced that they were changing developers. It's back with Retro now, which seems like great news. But yeah, it's 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 a lot of these games that were were announced years ago, and I would really love to see where they're at. Um, yeah, other than that, you know, I don't have too big of a wish list. I, I'm, I'm really excited for... The new Mario Golf title, which is coming out later this month, so there's no mm. nothing to speculate there. Um, I have a strong feeling we'll see more about the Breath of the Wild sequel. I think that's what everyone's waiting for. But uh, for me, my my fingers are crossed for Bayonetta three. I think that would be a nice holiday 2021 surprise. If the you know as of this recording, Nintendo has not yet announced their rumored new Switch, uh, Switch Pro, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I think a new Bayonetta title would be a great way to kind of showcase a more powerful Switch if they decide to actually release that. 
So that's that's kind of my one big hope for for their show, just as as a fan. No, I too am uh, wait, awaiting a Metroid Prime Four. Um, but with that, Mike, thank you so much for jumping on the show. Of course, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Always always happy to chat games, chat esports, and always great to catch up with you. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to FTWAmad.com. To follow Mike and his work over at CNN Underscored, you can find him at Mike Andronico on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, find me at Imad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrika Demore and Jacob Wolf. Executive producers are Kevin Morris and Thomas Tishio. With that, we'll catch you guys next week. 